Welcome back to Last Man's Opinion. I am your host, Tommy McGrail. With me tonight on election night is producer Roland, Rich Cakel, and our political correspondent, Dan Mara. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Tonight, we have a jam-packed, jam-packed show for you. This is going to be like no show that you have heard from us before because we <laughs> actually have our shit together. Probably not, but maybe we will, and I'll just continue to talk fast, and it'll make you listen. Tonight, we're going to recap the Giants game. We're going to recap the Eagles game. We're going to talk Bears-Packers game. We're going to talk election. We're going to talk beer. The Peapod delivery is here. Rich is focused and ready to go. We got the NFL trade deadline to recap, and we're going to talk some surprise topics. But we start with... Last night's giant game. Oh, wow. Right into it. Right into it. We're starting. Got to mix it up. I like it. I I I I wasn't ready to jump right into it, but We're we're starting right off the bat, fellas. So uh, we're we're pulling. Last night was the first entertaining uh, make you feel good about the Giants uh, this year game that I have watched. Uh, The play calling was solid from my view. Uh, I like the tempo. They played kind of up-tempo. The first half they played uh, pretty surprisingly well. Uh, they were up for the first half. And uh, Daniel Jones didn't look terrible. The offensive line, which was w- lo- missing Will Hernandez, uh, looked like an offensive line. Um the defense was actually playing well. I mean, the Bucks were kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit and playing bad. Um, what did you guys think? I'm not going to go to Dan right away. I'm going to go to Rich Cakel. Uh, I didn't watch the game, so. Okay, good. I'm going right to Roland. I'm going to give an uncharacteristic Roland response. Give it to I'm me. I'm usually very... And I know Dan is going to refute this, but I was a little down on Daniel Jones this week. I think he made a lot of unforced errors when he had some extra time. He didn't make the most of it. He did have longer passes, but the O-line did step up a little bit more. So that's kind of a wash for me. The interceptions just seemed completely preventable. And there were at some times when it kind of stopped momentum that the Giants had. Defense really stood up. Bucks were hurting, but the Giants were playing, I think, as a team better than they've played all year. Dan? Thanks, Dan. Thanks. I was on mute. I wasn't ready to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what could I say? Um, I don't know. I bet you didn't know we were going to bring this up. I know. I know. I, yeah, Dan, Dan how would you feel about the game overall? Start so, with that. okay, overall, uh, obviously they played well. I mean, the defense played well. Best, the best game the offensive line has played all season. Um, I like the play calling. It's probably been one of the better play calling. The last two weeks, the play calling has been much improved. Um, they seem to be opening up the offense a little bit more. Maybe they were just kind of taking it slow for the first month or so of the season, which seems silly to me. But um, And the defense played really well. I mean, they got a couple turnovers. They They... They, you know, at, at nothing. Stop walking around. Is that is that bothering you? Yeah, because your signal keeps going in and out, and you can't hear. Oh, okay. 
Okay. All right. Let's sit. let me go. Let me go to where me. We got bits and pieces of you. This is what our political reporter does. He has to move around, and get the action. There you go. There you go. Sorry, I, I had to take. I had to take it off a. I had to take it off a Wi-Fi. Boots on the ground. Wi-Fi, <laughs> Wi-Fi messes it up. I forget. Uh, so, so you know, the, the defense played well. I, I would say. I would say this about the Giants. They're probably the most, the best, well coached they've been since the last couple years. Not the last two years, but of the Coughlin era, but and, like and, around that time. And, and that's what Ralph was saying, Tommy. That's what he was saying. They look like a respectable football team this year. <laughs> um, this game. That, this being game. Said, that being said, no, no, this year. No, this year. Th- this year. Uh, oh, this, the, oh, this year. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. They, yeah, yeah. No, I think record. it's, yeah. Yeah, they played, uh, I mean, they're in every game. I mean, they should have beaten the Eagles. They should have beaten the Cowboys. They should have beaten the Bucks. I mean, that's three wins right there. Um, they're you know, not they getting blown out. Make those plays. No, they only they got. They're competitive. They one really bad game. They're competitive. They I mean, just competitive need to be a little more Steelers. competitive. <laughs> and uh, um, so last night I said that I was somewhat encouraged by Daniel Jones' uh, performance because he was throwing the ball more. He was he missed some open plays and obviously the the interceptions, which I'll get to. Um, but he did throw the ball uh, more. He threw the ball more downfield. Uh, which was good, but um, the interceptions. Tell me that's a killer. Kill you, kill you. On, that, tell, tell me, tell me what happened. Um, I didn't watch any of the games. So. He, 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 so, so on both. Uh, basically, they were both the same play. He held the ball too there long. Was, there was two interceptions. Two interceptions that killed drives, and I think Tampa Bay scored off of both of them. Um, any fumbles? So, no fumbles. Um, the fumble thing I do think is slightly overrated. Plus, I think he's done a much better job of that. I mean, he has five fumbles this year, which is, I mean, top third of the league. But he's not like you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. He's he's not like last year fumbles. Yeah, yeah. So the fumble thing yeah. I think is a little overdone. Uh, plus, one or two of them were like legit, you know, blindside hit. Nothing he could do about it. Fumbles. Um, yeah, and he is the most pressure quarterback in, or yeah, one of the so most whatever. pressure quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah, moving on. Um, but the interception. So, essentially, both of them were the same. He held on to the ball too long, and yep. he was under pressure. Uh, and instead of just deciding to throw the ball away, he tried to make a play. He was in the grasp, I think, both times, and he basically, you know, the defender's holding on to his jersey, and he's, like, falling back and tries to make a play, and they were intercepted both times. Because obviously, now, this is this, you have a 300-pound defensive is, lineman hang, hanging on you. You're not going to have that much accuracy on your throw. Uh, uh, Richie, if you remember, uh, a couple of games ago, maybe two, three, three games ago, I believe you and I both said that he needs to learn how to either throw the ball away or just take the sack. Yep. And now Dan is coming around to us. Fourth quarter, he did that, though. He... He laid down on the ball a few times, and then he had at least one ball that he threw away when he was under a, a lot of pressure with no one open. Yeah. Got to live to I fight mean, another down. The other, the other problem I saw that was a major problem was Slayton. This game was just – it was either a miscommunication or he was just having a really bad game. Um, throw. Yeah, he, he, he had Slayton, I think, twice. Um. And I think Shepard another time, uh, <clears throat> open deep. He should have hit at least one of them. 
Uh, one of them, I think the receiver laid up a little bit. Um, actually, I think he missed Slayton three times and Shepard once. Yeah. Slayton, uh, it looked like he turned the wrong direction on one of them because the ball yeah. had a clear trajectory towards the, tor- Slayton, towards I think the line up on and, one. and he cut in. Slayton, I think he messed up on one or Slayton messed up on one, but I think Jones messed up on the other two. And then and then the Shepard one was 50. But he had to hit one of them because one of them would have been a touchdown. And so those are only the ones that he missed. There were two others where Slayton ended up being wide open running down the sideline, and he didn't he didn't look in his direction. I think that happened two yeah. other times. He got um, too zoned in on what was supposed to happen and didn't look for all the options. And 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 so this is why I, I would love somebody to you know break it down. Like uh, I was talking in the chat earlier, like what? So one of the Slayton, one of the interceptions, he looked at Slayton. Slayton was covered, and then he went through his progressions. And then he made the terrible throw and got picked off. But, and that's one of the ones where Slayton came open. But obviously, he never came back to Slayton. So I would love somebody to break it down and be like, yeah, you know, you go through there and then you would go back to, you know, if he's your first option, this, you know, this is what he did wrong in this play. Because I, I, I don't know. Like, did he, you know, do you go through progressions one, two, three, four? Then you go, once you're on the right side, I, do you go back to the left? What's the, you know, best practice, I guess, for, for quarterbacks? But, I think you can't have I think those two interceptions. That, yeah, I, that, I mean, I, that, think, I mean, that's what it comes you, down to. Yeah, if you're going through your progressions, like you said, you're going one, two, three, four. Then it's kind of where the defense pushes you. So where is your pocket collapsing? Where are you focused on at the end? Does he have to move around in the pocket? He's obviously, if he's focused on linemen at that point, and you're holding on to the ball, you have to worry about the linemen coming at you. And sometimes you. Once you get off that first receiver, if he's on the opposite side of the field as four, then you're kind of already banking on that fourth receiver and you're forgetting about, you know, your left side or your right side or wherever that first receiver is. You know, you have to, uh, I mean, pocket presence, experience, working through the progressions. Yeah, I, I yeah. And, and, and I think he just kind of missed – uh, you know, he missed guys. And then the interceptions, I think they're correctable, but, I mean, they lost the game last night. Like, there's right. no other way to say it, but they they lost the game because of them. Lost the game, but still, there are plenty of pluses in this in this game. There are plenty of pluses. More pluses than previous games, I would say. Crickets. I agree with that statement. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for agreeing with the statement. Uh, overall, an entertaining game kept me, uh, you know, focused on the game. Um, I was really hoping defense. for a win. Nobody talked about the defense. What's what happened there? Uh, uh, defense played well. You know, I think they got like defense. Yeah, they got like you know, three sacks. They got a turnover or two. Yeah, Caused the fumble and, in the red zone. Yeah. yeah, you know what I was focused uh, – I saw a couple of times happen. Uh, corners got semi-beat off the line, but then were able to recover and broke up the pass anyway. You know, that would have been definite touchdowns. I think Bradbury did it on one, and I think – Yeah, Bradbury um, had a great play on one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he. you know, it's just it's just 
you know, you're focused on the wide receiver catching the ball. Once he starts putting up his hands, you put up your, you know, your batter of an arm and, and bat the ball away, you know, at the last minute. You don't really have to look for the ball. You're just focused on the receiver's hands. And that happened two or three times uh, in the first half. Um, Bradbury's was definitely a touchdown uh, save. And um, the other one would have been uh, like a thirty-yard pickup. I forget. I forget who did the other one. Um, was, um, but that was actually it was a new guy, new kid, new guy that they signed. Yeah, um, yeah, but it but, but yeah, it was but they, uh, it was good to watch. Yeah, they played well. I mean, I told you they play <laughs> defense. They, they they scheme well enough, I think, on the defense because there's still not enough talent, I think, to make this a really elite group, but. You know they, they they play hard and they they tackle well and they they are very well coached and there's not like like last year and the previous seasons there would be blown assignments receivers running free through the secondary like there's none of that this season everybody's covered they have to make good plays they have to you know they, they don't necessarily have the talent to, to you know stop like a high powered offense and, and 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 get you know the big plays that that some of the other defense have but there's no breakdowns. Um, which, you know, you watched the Giants last year, there would be a receiver running free through the middle of the field. Nobody, nobody would be within 20 yards from him. One, one thing I did notice uh, that I did actually like was, I think it was the first quarter, maybe early in the second quarter, Giants were playing zone and Brady was starting to pick them apart and give up, you know, chunks of yardage, chunks of yardage. Uh, they were definitely playing a bend, not break defense style in the first half. Um but it was getting to a point where Brady was just picking off, picking off, you know, they were just sitting back and giving up, you know, 5, 10, 15, you know, big chunks of yardage on a pass. And uh, from what I saw in the beginning of the year, they were kind of just letting that happen. And then the team would just march down the field and score. And uh, this time around, they actually called a timeout. I think it was in the first quarter and actually reevaluated and came up with a stop. I think that was on the third down or fourth down. Um, and the Patriots weren't, uh, the Bucks weren't able to uh, score on the play. And it was a good, uh, good call. Nice to see that that actually happened. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, I agree. I like that they, they clearly, uh, and I thought that when they did it too, they clearly joined one in defensively with one plan. And then when the Bucks started to move the ball, and it was a critical play. It was like a third down. The Giants called timeout. Basically, seemed like give their, their players a, a breather and, and to essentially change up what type of defense that they were running. Um, and, you know, the defensive tackle, the inside for the Giants, uh, like the middle of the defense is, is pretty good. The the tackles with, with Lawrence and with um, Williams and then with um, – with Blake Martinez in the middle. I mean, they're good tacklers, and, and, and they're really a difficult team to run on, and I think that has made huge help. And I think Bradbury, uh, obviously I've been on Gettleman a lot. I think Bradbury is probably the best free agent signing in the league, and he's uh, he I would say he has to be a top three corner this season. I mean, he's been unbelievable. So, you know, just to throw him out there to essentially shut down that side of the field, which is essentially what he's done, which is – I don't know, pretty impressive. So, uh, so he's had a great year. As has Blake. As has Williams. Yeah. So, uh, defense first, has been good. First half, yeah, defense has been good. First half offense. Uh, I like the Giants' game plan right off the bat. You know, they went up 
up tempo. They did a couple of, uh, you know, hurry up offenses, to, you know, to keep the keep the uh, momentum going. Um, they did have a trick play, which was a uh, throwback to Tate. Uh, Tate stood stood in the pocket, you know, a wide receiver pocket, and uh, threw a, you know, uh, cross field on a. I think that was a third down. And uh, and they picked up you know 15 20 yards on that play um, and Tate took a took a beating on that um, that was a good play um, but just overall it looked like the Giants actually in the first half um, and parts of the second half you know that they actually had a game plan were sticking to it and uh, like the players were all about it you know kind of thing like they were invested into the into the game plan. Um, Definitely had. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll kill, we'll kill the Giants with the two turnovers. Yeah, we'll kill the Giants with the two turnovers in the second half because they were both on drives. It's not like you know they yeah. were driving on both yep. of them. It wasn't deep in the Giant territory. I think they were both around midfield. So that that's just those are just killers. And I think yeah, I've been I've been a pretty big defender of Daniel Jones here, but this Giant defense, this Giant team, while clearly not talented, they're good enough to win. A, they're good enough to be a five or six win team, and if they're gonna finish the season one and fifteen or two and fourteen, you got to look at the quarterback there. And if the Giants have a top three pick or top four pick, I would be surprised if they go someplace else. And Jones, yeah, is the team. Uh, I mean this this game kind of showed um, uh, that the offense. I mean, we've been talking about the offensive line all year, and the offensive line definitely isn't fixed and 100. percent But this game, they actually performed uh, better than the best that they had all season, and um, and you still kind of wound up with the same result at quarterback, uh, a little better, but still came out with this, you know, with the loss, with a couple of interceptions. So if they pl- perform the same way that they did this game next game and Daniel Jones is still in the same boat. Then yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll give them the rest of the season, but if the giants are going to finish yeah. two and 14, I mean, they should beat Washington. They should beat Dallas. They should be competitive against Cleveland and Cincinnati. I mean, it's not the easiest schedule, but, but there are certainly games on this schedule that the Giants should win. And there have been games already that the Giants should win. And, and you could, you can fault, and you could bypass, you know, okay, the Chicago game, the Ram game, you know, but then you have, you throw in Dallas, then you throw in Philly. Now you throw in last night against Tampa. And those are coming, yes, the defense gave up big plays late, but at some point Daniel Jones has to come through and, and play a good game from start to finish and win. Um, yeah. And, and if he can't, then that's a problem. Last night, uh, Giants are only two games out of playoff contention. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're not. I mean they play Washington and Philly the next two weeks. I mean I guess they could win both. Like the, the the thing with the so so the thing with the Giants is I think I mean they, they you look at their schedule. They, I mean they should have beaten the Bears. They should have beaten the Cowboys, Eagles, and and honestly they should have won last night. Uh, you say they're going to have a couple losses. That that's at least they should have three more wins. They should be a four-win team right now, and I think. You know, Daniel Jones is part is, is a Daniel Jones. The offensive line is, is a big part of the reason why why they only have one win. And yep. I don't know if they're gonna, you know, if they're going to, if the Giants are gonna be like this the rest of the season, 
I do think Daniel Jones might be done. I think Gettleman would be fired, and the new GM might not Good. might go in a different direction. Gettleman should be fired anyway. All right, that's enough giant talk for this week. Uh, we'll give you another round uh, next week. Um, we will uh, see what happens. Moving on to our next game, the Eagles, 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 Eagles. Richie, did the Eagles fly this weekend? Uh, they didn't fly, but they won. <laughs> um, they are a garbage fucking team. Um, they're in first place, though. You know, they got a little winning streak. and uh, But there are severe concerns coming out of Philly. Carson Wentz looks like, and I don't think anyone can argue this, even all Eagles fans would agree, he looks like a bottom three quarterback in the league, borderline not a starter. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough. You know, like Dan was saying about Daniel Jones, you know, he, Daniel Jones makes a lot of bad plays and has opportunities to win the game at the end but can't come through. Carson Wentz plays garbage games for three quarters but is making kind of clutch plays late in the game. So, I don't know, but he's just so fucking bad. You guys watched some of the game. Yeah, he's terrible. He's making rookie fucking mistakes out there. He's holding on to the ball and getting sacked when he has no business getting sacked. He should just throw it away. He's uh, making – he can't read a defense. He has fumble He's turning the ball over. Turning the ball over way too much. Like, we we criticize Jones, but Wentz has more turnovers than Jones has. Yeah, and and you know what? This is so strange because he's always – when this season started, he was among NFL's best quarterbacks in in, uh, touchdown to interception ratio of all time. Like, he was top five in that. We talked about that in in the early weeks. And then this season, he's averaging, like, two – at least two turnovers a game. Yeah. So, like, what do you do do in this situation? And you just signed him to a big deal. So what do you do? You can't cut him. You can't trade him. Uh, do you, do you play Hertz? Uh, no, Hertz stinks too. Yeah. Like the, the guy comes in for one play and he, he gets like a delay a game. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, bro. And then on come top on. of it, your, your, your coach, you're in week. What are we in week eight? Week Yeah. Week eight or week, nine, wherever we are. Week eight. At this point, you have to realize that your quarterback's a liability. It, it's time to focus on the run game a little bit. You know, even last night's game. They were gashing the Cowboys' defense on the they ground. Were. They were? Gashing them. Yet, yet Carson Wentz still throws 27 passes. That's not including dropping back four times for sacks, plus uh, about three scrambles. So we're talking low 30s in pass attempts. And then we got uh, 20, 20 rush attempts. Like, how are you still passing more than you're run- running the ball? When, one, you're winning the entire game, you're gashing them on the ground, your quarterback's fucking terrible, the Cowboys are starting a third-string quarterback, and they're missing their entire offensive line. Yeah. I mean, the only way you're going to lose that game is if um, is if you turn the ball over like crazy. And, yeah. And they, they did. They did. And the coach and doesn't make any fucking adjustments. <laughs> and because Wentz is just slinging the ball to the other team, I don't get it. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, they, they See, were... Gashing them on the ground, and then the the drive stopped when Wentz dropped back to pass. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, so, I don't get it either. You know, and and 
you know, everyone has different philosophies on how you build a football team or who, the, who you blame. But for me, I always start at the top and I blame the coaches first. You know, who's calling the plays on offense? I always start there because they have control over the situation. They're the ones putting the ball in Carson's hands too many times in a game, especially when the run game's working. You have the choice right there to take it out of your quarterback's hands when he's a liability. That's your decision. Yeah. So so now, on the flip side, you do know you can't win without a quarterback. Right, but... But you can and then win. What do you do? By, but you can win by turning your quarterback into a game manager and limiting the times he touches you, the ball. You can. I mean, and Dallas, the Dallas game would be fine. But you're not beating good teams if Carson Wentz is a game. No, manager. no, no, no. But that that's a worry for the good games. You know, yeah. there, there's been at least three games this season where they could have stuck to the run and won those games, and they lost two of those games. So. I don't know. You know, in my mind, the first thing you have to do, because you're stuck with Carson Wentz's contract, uh, you have to get a real offensive coordinator. You can't allow Doug Peterson to call the plays anymore because he, he's from the Andy Reid school of coaching where it's pass first, you know, no matter yeah. what else is going on in the game. Yep. You know, yep. In, in, a different, in a different situation, I would say, okay, let's, let's find a new quarterback. But for this season and next – you're limited in your options. Yeah. So, so bring in a yeah. new coordinator. Fuck this shit. Um, it, it's blow a shame it up. Too. It, it's a shame, too, because you don't have to blow it up. You know, they've with all these injuries this year, they found so many good young players on offense. You know, you've got a really good foundation there um, between the, the, the Fulgham and Rieger's wide receivers. Rager, however you say his fucking name. You got you found a good couple offensive linemen that you got from the draft this year and last year. Uh, Boston Scott's a good second running back. Miles Sanders is a great first running back. You have the foundation of a great offense, except the quarterback and the play calling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the deal with Wentz is this year. He's definitely off. Something is like, because he looks, but you're right, he's a bottom three quarterback right now. Yeah, I and, mean, it's, and it's, it's basically like like whoever the hell Dallas rolled out there, Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz. Yeah, like that's basically <laughs> the order Darnold. of quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam's done. He stinks. Yeah. So um. So yeah. You I mean, don't know the best what quarterback in New York. <laughs> That'd be, probably be Josh Allen. Yeah, that's definitely Josh Allen. Yeah. So, but anyway, the Eagles are on their way to a division title. Um, oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah, well, so uh, have they played they, Washington yet? Yeah, they that was the game week they one. Lost, they were up yeah. se- they were they up tied, seventeen to right? nothing. Seventeen yeah, to nothing and they blew it because they uh you know went through some bad that. interceptions. Instead of running yep. the ball when you're up seventeen nothing, <laughs> uh they continued yep. passing the ball every play. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone needs to make a bold decision in Philly and change things. Uh but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, that's um, um, yeah, because Washington still has a shot to win this division. I mean, I don't well, think they will. Ev- but. I mean, in in theory, every team still has a chance to win the division. Yeah, but I I would say Washington has more of a because Washington still plays Philly again, and I think they play yep. Dallas one more time. They play the Giants again. I mean, that's three wins right there potentially. Yeah, and, and one last note on Wentz before we leave him. You know, this is also a difficult mm-hmm. situation because this isn't his rookie or his second season. So he doesn't have a long history of turning the ball over. This is his fifth season, and he's never been a turnover machine like this. So that's like, 
pretty strange, I feel like, in the NFL to all of a sudden turn into the worst quarterback in the league, like out of nowhere. Like, how yeah. does that happen? Like, know. You know, not much else changed, change right? It's got to be yeah, some I, play calling. It's got to be something. Yeah. Like, like Dan, I, I know you were never a big Wentz fan, but I don't think you ever believed that he was a bottom three quarterback. No, he stinks, though. Yeah. I like, thought he was overrated, he's, but. But yeah, yeah he, I mean, not bottom, not bottom three, overrated. He he was he was always at worst middle of the pack, like oh, at worst, top fifteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There are people that put him top seven. I would say he's fourteen, fifteen. I, I, but, I would have said he I would have, would have said he was like eight to fourteen. But yeah, I mean, I mean, but he he literally is uh, bottom three according to all the stats, which is right. yeah. I so I don't know that this. I mean, I haven't. Like, I don't know if he's trying to do too much or if he's, like, too comfortable that he, think he thinks he could do whatever he wants now. Like, I'm not really sure what the what the deal is. Like, Daniel Jones, I could at least say, while the interceptions are pretty terrible, he at least, like, you could be like, well, he's trying to make a play. Like, he's trying to do too much and make a play. Right. I don't know if Wentz is really doing that. If he's, like, mis- it's almost like sometimes he's, like, misreading the defense. I don't know. Well, well, did you see the the first fumble he had in the first quarter? I'm sure you guys had to at least see that far in the game. Yeah. Where where he scrambled out of the pocket and was, like, right along the sideline, and instead of just, like, flicking it out of bounds, he he took a sack and fumbled it. Like, to me, that was a yes. play of trying to do too much. Yep, yep. Because, because it's not like a hit came out of nowhere. He had all the time in the world to get rid of that ball and he decided to hold on to it and take a, a an unnecessary hit and fumbled it. Like, that was just an unexplainable play right there. Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, I, I just don't know what he's doing. I mean, he's, the, uh, the, the only thing I that mean, has almost really lost changed. the game. Yeah, the only thing that has really changed this year with Eagles, because they, they've always been a pass-first team, always passed way too much, abandoned the run game. That hasn't changed. Um, the, their offensive line has dealt with an enormous amount of injuries. But again, on a play like that where he's out of the pocket, has all the time in the world, that doesn't explain like why why he doesn't throw that ball away. Yeah. You know, that's that's just a boneheaded move. Like Yeah, it's, it was a bad play. And and, and that's not just one I'm not, you know, we're not just cherry picking one bad play of the season here. This is common every single game. He he's good for at least two of those plays every single game of this season. So, so yeah. Wentz, is on, Wentz is on the hot seat. <laughs> well, didn't they give him a big contract, though? They they did, but, you know, honestly, I, I could see them start. If Wentz plays like this next game and has four turnovers next week, not next week, but in two weeks because they have the bye week and they, they play the Giants. And they play the, the bye Giants, week. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guarantee you if he has four turnovers in that game, he's benched the following game. W- win or lose, win or lose. Hmm. All right. Oof. Richie is heated. Heated. He's done with Wentz. No, I'm not I'm not done Richie, with him, but Richie's done with the coach. Done with well, Doug. I, I want Doug to stay the coach. I just don't want him calling plays. All right, good. All right, moving on. Moving on. <clears throat> moving on. What's next? We uh we're going to uh the Midwest to uh Roland Country. Hey. And uh Roland, uh let's start with your bears. What do you want to hear about him? Nick Foles. Saints rolled in and uh, beat him 26-23. What's going on with the Bears? 
I mean, Bears played Bears played well until some key turnovers by Foles towards the end of the game. Um, Foles didn't look good this game. The rest of the team looked pretty solid. Montgomery actually had a pretty decent game. He had some yeah. better runs than he had for other other games within the year. Um, I was actually kind of surprised they kept it this close against the Saints because I thought the Bears were super overrated and their record was overinflated. Um, but they they came to play against the Saints. Um, are they contenders or pretenders? They have wild card shot for sure. They're pretenders. I mean, with already five wins. Yeah, they're, they're pretenders. Yeah, uh, they're not, I was, mean, they'll make the. I, I thought you were I, I giving me make... options, but. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it was a rhetorical question. You should have known the answer. Nick, Nick Foles uh, is turning into like a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. type uh, quarterback. No, I take Fitzpatrick over Foles. Foles is turning into uh, I don't know. Foles. Who's somebody? Who's somebody who's out of the league? Uh, Let me ask you this. Josh McGowan. Josh McGowan. Josh McGowan. Go ahead. What's the question? So, Tommy, our boss, JP. One of our bosses, yeah. JP. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he brought up Nick Foles yesterday, Monday morning, and he was mm. saying, why not, why not? He said they used to do this back in his day. He, he's like, what, 20 years older than us? <laughs> yeah. But he, he said there was teams back, back in the day when he was growing up that would consistently start one quarterback and then bring in the second quarterback as soon as the first quarterback started struggling. Why not continue doing that with Nick Foles? Because that seems to be something he excels at. He can't succeed in a full game, but when he yeah. comes in and he's up against the wall, he, he's a top quarterback somehow. He, he's the savior. He's got the savior complex. Yeah, so he needs, why not? He needs someone. He, needs, he actually needs uh, Mitch uh, Tuber or whatever to uh, start the games and then right. Nick come in in the second quarter and be the savior. Right. Is, is that realistic, though? Is that realistic <clears throat> for a team to do I that? I think it is. I think it is what they have now because Mitch, when he gets in a hole, he can't dig himself out of it. He just keeps throwing into traffic and kind of bumbling up plays. And and Foles really excels at that sort of stuff. When, when the pressure's on, he comes through. So and and when the pressure wasn't on, you kind of saw him flopping and throwing behind receivers and making some boneheaded plays. So I I don't know. I think it's worth a try because the rest of the team I think is pretty talented uh, in terms of receivers, in terms of Montgomery. Does, so. As as far as playing question, style, I, 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 oh. sorry, sorry. Shut up, Tommy. Can I go? Just, no, no, no. Let Rich go. I don't want to hear your voice. Just, just, just second question to follow on that point. Does any coach in the NFL have the balls to do that? No. No. <laughs> just call it like uh, advanced statistics or something. <laughs> just use that as a justification. Be like, yeah, we have some special statistics we're using. We can't share yeah, it with I mean, you. It's proprietary. I mean, that's, that's tough because now it's so uh, – like uh confidence builder like you're saying uh you know the quarterback's going in but we're not fully getting behind him and now like the team's not really behind him so is it the quarterback or is it your confidence behind the quarterback i don't i don't know if you can actually do that i don't know if it would work but my question was uh between mitch and nick i haven't seen the two of them play um that much 
do they have similar playing styles? I mean, are they? They both are suck. They, yeah, Mitch I know that. Likes. But like, if if you if you have Mitch in the game and he starts sucking, and you bring in Nick, is it a completely different game plan? Is it a pre- completely different? No, it's the quarterback? same. I think it's the same. I They've done it before. It's not like they haven't done it this year. They've done it in one before this year. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm saying, are you completely changing your no. game plan? No. Or are you so. still on the same game plan? It's just a different quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Am I, am yeah I, they have to add some plays in. No, we can hear you. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I answered your question, Tyree. No, they're basically the same. There's no difference between the two. M- Mitch that's, can run that's a what you wanted to get out? Yeah, that's it. That's it. He kept he kept asking the question. I was like, no, they're the same. You're not changing. I mean, Mitch, I guess, could run the read option. I mean, Nick can run a little bit. Not not like Mitch. Mitch is much more athletic than Nick is, I think. Or or he has more speed. I'm not going to say more athletic, but he has more yeah, speed. Yeah, maybe he has a slightly more speed, but he's not. I mean, with, I mean, with Nick, are you staying in the pocket more, and Mitch, you're, you're bootlegging out and, and yeah. doing would, more running? You're much more mobile with Mitch, and he runs, like, short slants and bootlegs a lot. And then Nick kind of sits in the pocket and throws like 15 to 20 yarders with accuracy for the most part. Okay, so it's two kind of two different game plans. Two, it is, but they adjust to it. It's all right, yeah, Tommy. Not we're like not going to say like run the Mitch Trubisky for foals, right? No, it's I'm not going to be they're going to run the saying. same place. They don't change the offense around though. They just run slightly different plays. Yeah, I mean it's like there a are options play. for all these things. Yeah, it's not like you see, when you have a play, there are a bunch of different players within it, and they do different things. And then you could choose an option. So, like, you could That's throw it to one game. player or it's a different player. Game. I get it. Okay, I get it. I get it. It's you got a it. Game plan. I got it. Okay, moving on to uh, staying in the Midwest. Uh, Roland, what's up with your Packers? That was a terrible Losing. game. Losing moving to on. the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, that should have been the easy at- win. At Tell me about home. that one. Should have been an easy one. What? Roland. I got to know about happened? this game. Um, Vikings played very well. Packers played not very well. I think Packers, Packers defense like they is the... They don't What's have up? a solution for the running game, right? Dalvin Cook was uh, the Plain star game. of the game. I mean, that's... I don't know how many yards he had, but he had a lot of yards. And he had a bunch carry, of 30-plus yards. 30 carries runs. 163 yards. Yeah, that's a lot of yards. And, and Tommy, don't don't ignore that they limited Kirk Cousins to only passing fourteen times. This is what I want the Eagles to do. Like, that's, that's probably that's the best good. thing they could have done. Well, yeah, well, that's yeah. Amazing. I mean, that's, that's great coaching. Yeah, you know your you know your quarterback is sucking, and you know that the Packers are letting. I mean, Dalvin Cook ran over them, pretty much by himself. Yeah, and I mean, they could do nothing to stop it, really. Uh, the defense lost the game for them. That's really all I can say. Offense looked pretty decent. They had a couple missed things here and there, but looked pretty solid. But, yeah, you can't lose to Minnesota at home. No. You can't. Nope. You can't be 5-1 and one and lose to a 1-5. and five. That's uh, not good. <laughs> that's, that's bad. That's bad. So, Packers, pretenders or contenders? Moving on. No, they're contenders. <laughs> they're contenders. Oh, my goodness. Of course they're contenders. Right. They're going to win the division. It is 948 Eastern 
Where are we at? How are we looking at in the election, Roland? Um, Biden won Colorado, yeah. and Hickenlooper won in in Colorado as well, which is a big win. A Senate seat, a flipped Senate seat for the uh, Democrats. Yeah. Trump is Look. pretty much certain to win Florida, uh, yeah, South Florida's, Carolina. Florida's done. Pennsylvania is the new battleground. Pennsylvania. Uh, Ohio is, like I said before, if Biden wins Ohio, it's over. It's closer than it should be. Usually it's like 60-40 in Ohio, and it's like a coin flip right now. But Trump has to win every single battleground state, so it's going to be a rough one. That does sound promising. Where, where's your optimism level at right now? Uh, like 86% maybe. Whoa. Dan, where yeah. are you at? Oh, he's probably like 12. Uh, 12. No, I'm <laughs> over. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'm still fairly. I, I think I've always been pretty pretty confident that Biden was gonna win. I I I'm more surprised that it's not as big of a blowout as I thought it was gonna be. Seems like it's gonna come down. Did you did you really think he was gonna get Florida? Did you did you think he was really gonna get Florida? I figured one of these times the polls had to be right with Florida. One time. <laughs> Never. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been wrong big... like the last. Yeah, five elections. That's a big point thing of- on the five thirty eight live blog. Is a lot of the people that analyze the polls are saying, "This uh, we've tried so hard. We take out ads. We do this. We do that, and it's still this far off." So how are we ever going to have reliable polls? And that's the <laughs> new question: is that they have all these analytics and they predict things, but they're only working off the data that they have. So how can they get better data? How can they get people to and maybe there's going to be a gap until people that are affected by politics now, like uh, millennials, get older and have more time to participate in polls. Well, so so I, I think – no, I have not read the 538 stuff, but I thought one of the things I did I did read with the difficulty in, in polling um, Florida was the large Cuban population that has now tended or at least, again, has tended to vote more conservative. That is actually anyway. the um, one of the downfalls of making Puerto Rico a state as well. Yes. This is the large makeup of a similar um, like ideology, where it would yeah. be split pretty much 50-50 down the, if it, it was it a would new be, state. It would be split. That's why you just got to do D.C., Roland. That's it? <laughs> just D.C.? That's it. Just do D.C. <laughs> I'm um, an American Samoa. All right, I'll take it. They were saying on, uh, what were they saying on, uh, Chuck Todd was saying on NBC that they were saying uh, the Cubans in Miami are at 8 million something or whatever. I don't remember what it was. And um, the population of Cubans and then in Orlando, you had the population of Puerto Ricans. And the Puerto Ricans usually vote Democratic and the Cubans are voting Republican. So they almost cancel themselves out. Um, that's what they were saying tonight, and it looks like it actually happened that way. Um, but they lost on on the other ones. Georgia's Georgia's looking Georgia's looking suspect. Yeah, Virginia is too. You see Georgia, Atlanta blue, Athens blue, Augusta blue, Savannah blue. I Lincoln, was looking blue. at the Everywhere New York else. Times. Everywhere needle. else is red. 
the New York Times ten, needle and they still got had like a ton of like people that hadn't voted yet blue, but I think it's still leaning red. I don't know how that works exactly. Yeah, it's still it's still leaning red. It's still leaning the, red on, on the if AP I remember too. correctly last time, the New York Times needle fluctuates ridiculously and it's so unreliable. I thought they tinkered with it to make it less sensitive I, to the voting <laughs> inputs. I, I thought that, I thought they said they did that, but it does not seem like it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's I still mean, flip-flopping all over the place. But we also oh, have right a now, ton of votes that are rolling in for mail-in votes and stuff, so I'm not sure. These, these races know. are so close, which makes me kind of sad as a person. Um, yeah. North Carolina looks but, like he's in trouble. Yes. Texas is over. It's gonna be a long night. Texas is over. Ohio. Uh, looked like looked like Trump kind of took a, a size of a lead in Texas. Fifty to forty-eight. Oh, huge. Yeah, I'm only two hundred thousand up on the AP. 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 Sixty-seven percent reporting. They haven't called it yet. All right, that's your uh, election update. Roland, uh, you've had about 10 beers today. How are you feeling? Feeling uh, good enough to elect a new president. What? Uh, <laughs> which Which one of your 10 beers are you going to review for us? Uh, I've been trying to go through ones that I've already had, so I can keep mm -hmm. the other ones for future beer reviews. Yeah. Today's beer review is a Mud Puppy Porter, brewed and canned in Amherst, Wisconsin. From Central Waters Brewing Company, got like a blue heron on it. Mud puppy. Yep. Yeah, when you say it that, it pairs really that, well yeah. with a uh, scotch I was just drinking. When you say mud puppy, I'm thinking thick. When you say porter, I'm not thinking thick. Yeah, it's not as thick as I'd like. It's also not as alcoholic as I'd like, but it is good chaser for my scotch. <laughs> it's five point six percent alcohol. Five point six. It's like a chocolatey, a little bit of coffee, kind of classic porter flavors to it. Mm. Tastes good. That's fine. Good drinkable mm. beer. Okay. Drinkability is there. I like the flavor profile, so it's one of my favorite kind of flavor profiles with chocolate and coffee. Nice. Anybody else drinking today? Okay, good. No. I mean, no. I got, I got the same beers last week, so... Roland, what kind of whiskey are you drinking there? This is uh, Aberdeen Highland Single Malt Scotch. Oh, sorry, Aberfeldy, not Aberdeen. I see, I see you're uh, a quarter of the bottle uh, liking it. Yeah, we're just, you know, celebrating Election Day. It's very oaky, though, and I'm not a huge fan of that, but I guess I missed that on the bottle description. Mm -mm -mm. But this is actually pretty decent, not super smoky scotch. Yeah, if they had one that wasn't in aged in oak barrels, I would. I like the general flavors of this scotch, and it pairs extremely well with this like chocolate coffee porter. So I'm just kind of switching in between them. That's good. I like it. All right, there's your alcohol review for this week. Moving on. We had big news, big freaking news, guys, girls, people of the world, since we're a worldwide po podcast. 
Uh, the NFL trade da- deadline uh, came and went. How you guys feel about how uh, this trade deadline went? This is my Richie, favorite I trade. I I know Richie had an opinion about it. Go ahead, Ron. No, that was it. That was my favorite trade. Nothing, because nothing was important. Go ahead, Richie. Tell me about it. There's, there's anything happened? No, there's nothing to fucking talk about. Nothing big ha- happened. There was some That's minor right. bullshit. Uh, Patriots got a wide receiver. Um, who cares? I, Isaiah Ford. I mean, but, you know, who cares about the Patriots right now? They seem to be going downhill. Um, but uh, that was the big move of the day. And, I mean, Isaiah Ford, He what is he, a number three slash number four wide receiver? He's a, he's a speedy guy. Um, nothing to talk about. Whatever. Good. Thank you. Trade deadline. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, for a quick minute. Should we be worried about Cam Newton's mental uh, health? He looks like he is having full-on mental breakdown. I think on the sideline I saw him almost crying or crying. Dan, you're up in New England. What's uh, the local word? Um, I don't know. I mean, have, I don't. Have, I, don't have, have, I don't think they question the, his mental health. Have, have the Patriot fans jumped ship? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they think that he's done and that this season is over after they lost to the Bills, which I, I would agree with. I mean, I think I think you could see why Cam wasn't picked up by anybody else. I mean, he just doesn't have it anymore, and he hasn't been good. He, he had maybe one or two good games early in the season, but for the last couple of weeks, he's been. Pretty shaky. Um, and the Patriot defense hasn't been good, and that's what's carried them the last couple of years. Um, so, I don't know. They, they're probably like a 7-8 win team this year. Good. All right, thanks. Uh, just so you know, the Chiefs beat the Jets 35-9. to um, Guys, <laughs> out, of the, out of the games this week, what was uh, the most surprising to you? What was the biggest surprise outcome for you guys? I mean, I guess the Packers losing so badly. Packers losing so badly. I think so, too. Um, hey, Tua got his first win against the Rams. Tua, yeah. yeah that, was, that, was a, that was a big upset. I forgot about that one. Yeah, I mean, Miami beat the Rams 28-17. Uh, uh, I'm reading this right. Jared Goff threw the ball. Uh, he had 61 attempts. 61? Yeah. 61 attempts. Wow. <laughs> he went 35 of 61, 355. And they only scored 17 points. Dan, we've moved on past politics, okay? Yeah, Dan. Sorry. What the fuck? Sorry. Sorry. And there was only something. The Miami Dolphins uh, LA Rams game, this, this was over in the first half. Dan, you want to tell us about uh, the the politics that you're listening to? Or are you just going to keep playing it in the background at a large, loud volume? Uh, I thought I muted it. Were they not muted? No. Now you're muted. Uh, there we go. Now you're not. Oh, no, apparently, apparently a bunch of uh, polls closed, so so Wolf had to get in on the action. You know, you know how Wolf likes to do. I thought you didn't like seeing that. He, he, he comes in all amped up. I'm I'm glad you kept the volume up at such a high volume. <laughs> it's been at the same volume the whole show. I think no. he, I think just this. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, new results not great, guys. Not know. great. Uh oh. Yeah. Eh, whatever. PA lean in red. Lean in red. Twenty-five percent reporting. What's leaning red? Uh, Pennsylvania uh. is leaning red now. Uh, yes, it Ohio is. Ohio yeah. is leaning is leaning red. Seventy-five percent reporting. Yeah. Michigan, Wisconsin, Utah, Texas, Georgia, and Maine, all leaning red. Wow. Missouri. Pretty good for them. Pretty, pretty good. Um, anyway, you guys have any uh, other other things to talk about besides uh, wrapping it up? Because we're pretty much done. No, I mean, you know, you didn't you didn't touch on the biggest political race of the night, but uh, you know, marijuana. I told you the green thing. wave. The green wave. Wait, wait, the green wave. Yeah. Off. So, yeah. The uh, uh, let's uh, let's peek in on New Jersey one more time and uh, see if I can pull it up. I don't think I can anymore. Um, but uh, they were at like 67% voting to legalize marijuana, and that was about an hour ago. Um, how you feel about that, Richie? You uh, you find your uh, new home? Yeah, I mean, I would I would move to Jersey the day it, the first shop opens up. Um, you know, I, I don't think this officially makes it legal. I think there's still some red tape to get through. I think they still need to um, approve some legislation, you know, next year. But I didn't think Jersey yep. would reach this point uh, anytime soon. <clears throat> I really thought they would be one of the last states to do this. So I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited. Woo! Yeah. Uh, they are at, uh, 67.25%. Yes. Um, and I, and they called it, they called it a winner at 57, 58%, uh, reporting. Big fucking win guys. Big fucking win. Big win. Big win. Hell yeah. So that's our show. That's our show for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening and uh, liking us and subscribing. Oh, wait, you don't really do that. But hey, give us a like and subscribe. Uh, it helps us out. Uh, for Dan Mara, Rich Cakel, producer Roland Barrielli, and myself, Tommy McGrell, thank you for listening to Last Man's Opinion, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Boom. I see an interesting tweet now. Tweet? The New York Times needle may be recalibrating based on Trump's victory in Florida, which was because of like extreme polling errors. So it may be skewing some of his other results. Tell me more. What's that mean? They're, so, they're so shifting the war towards him because they, yeah. they think there's like a red wave coming. Yeah, so 538 tried to do that in some of that prediction <laughs> stuff that you could click on. And if you gave Trump a state that he was polling not as well in, then it would shift all the polling because they would then assume it's not just Florida that polls right. off by 2%. It was an it indicator everything. of things to come. Yeah. When it yeah. wasn't just an outlier. So, yep. so let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. This is going to sound like a dumb question, but it's a serious question. 
And remember, <laughs> love it. I don't, I don't follow politics, but it seems like these last two elections, the polling means very little. So why does everyone talk about it so much? Why is there so much stock put in it? I, why is it all over I think Twitter? There's less all the stock time? put in it than there used to be. There used to yeah, be more participants. It, it, it's a it's hard. All over my Twitter feed, feed all the time. Yeah, it's not wow. really a science. But but why even put so much media attention on it on my Twitter if it means so little? Because it used to mean a lot. So I think this is just from my understanding is four years ago. Uh, the polling obviously was way off or off by two to three points. Um, and and it was a lot of big reasons was because Trump had people that never voted before come to the polls and vote. And so that skewed the polls because those those people were never factored into the polls. So then this year they would supposedly a lot of the pollsters were reevaluating how they did that and, and kind of encompassing like the quote unquote Trump effect. Um, but if it's wrong again after this year, then I think there's going to have to be some serious debate as to the value of them. Like one time is fine. Like 2016, okay, there was a, a massive polling error, and you didn't you didn't factor in all these people who are voting for Trump or voting in any presidential election for the first time because of Trump. Um, but it happens two elections in a row. That is, I think, uh, a cause for concern. And yeah, then I don't know what you what you do from there. The difficulty with polling is they don't have accurate sampling across a lot of demographics. So what they do is they try to uh, extrapolate and multiply out the small samples that they have, but they may not be fully representative of different demographics because they can't get everyone on the phone or get everyone to answer polls all the time. So they like synthesize some of the numbers to try to make it evenly weighted based on the percent of the population that it is. Yeah, like a lot of, and it could be, it's probably getting tougher, but like they have a very hard time polling younger people and mm -hmm. millennials and people who don't have like landlines is a real challenge. So like they try to do different things to capture those people, but it's not as effective as actually getting somebody on the phone is another hey, issue. Uh, I got, I got a question. So, um, like Wyoming, 1% reporting, they already called it for Trump. Yeah. So with a lot of those things, there are certain districts that if Biden's not doing what he should be, it's, it's so some states are like overwhelmingly red, overwhelmingly blue. And unless the yeah. candidates do something extreme or they see it starting to come in as the a complete opposite direction, they can almost call it with certainty that it's going for whoever. And you could almost say that before the election, even like uh, yeah. New York, yeah. you can call for Biden, California, you can call for Biden. Like you, you can call these things and be right, you know, 95% of the time or whatever, unless there's some like extreme uncertainty that happens. And I think that's what they're leveraging a little bit, but usually there are certain key um, voting districts that if if they report oppositional to how they've done previously, it's an indicator of like things are changing. Like this is a 
you know, a, a bellwether of it. It's really going to go for this this candidate, or this may indicate a shift in plus or minus whatever they need to take the state. He's going to lose Georgia. Mm. <laughs> yes, he is, and Texas, so, so, and quite potentially Georgia. Ohio. Georgia, Georgia, the, Georgia just came in. I would, like a big, big change. Yeah. Are these like so, huge was, disparities, though? I, I don't uh, know Georgia. the voting rules on all of these states. Like Georgia if they went, still have to count mail-in votes or... Georgia went from like, it was 50 to 48 to 55 to 43. And like yeah, but how many votes are there? Uh, I thought 50, Georgia had a lot coming. I thought Georgia was almost done. Or 70%? Well, they're at, oh, 50, they're at 54%. Yeah. Yeah. But it also depends like where they're coming in. I mean, has, has Atlanta... Yeah. Because that's what I thought I saw. Atlanta's voting has been delayed because of some issue. They have, if you look at Georgia's, like the New York Times does this, you can see voting districts that have been counted and voting districts yet to be counted. Some of the ones in Georgia are huge blue circles. Like, huge. What is this? DeKalb County? That must be where Atlanta is. Must be. It's monstrous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, 82% for Biden. It takes yeah. up like a third of the state, maybe. Yeah. So this is a screwy election. Yeah, this is a screwy election. They're prematurely they doing a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. Roland, what is your take on our boy Nate Silver? So when I follow, you know, I follow him on Twitter and I feel uh -huh. like he's overconfident in his system. You know, he gets a little condescending towards uh -huh. his readers. <laughs> he doesn't get like. very condescending. <laughs> so, so how it's his baby. How do you feel about him? Um, I think his like analysis and stuff is usually pretty good. Him when he speaks, like on the podcasts and whatever, is usually a little less polarizing than I think he is on Twitter. Twitter, I think he takes some hard lines. Um, but I, the analysis is what the analysis is. I mean, they're only working off the polling numbers and trying to weight them to be yeah. as appropriate as, as they can be, or as they see based on historical data and stuff like that. So that's like yeah, one of the big problems with machine learning in general, or like statistical analysis, is you can't really synthesize, you can't make up real data. So you're only working with what you're working with. So if you get wrong data, you're gonna give wrong predictions. Yep. I think Dan wanna say something. Oh, no, 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 you're right. I mean, I think that's that's basically, I mean, he's basically, basing it off of the polls and trying to weight them based on how historically accurate they've been. Um, yeah, I mean, like Roland said, if the data is wrong, then his 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 results are going to be wrong. Um, so, like, if there's massive polling errors, then his kind of information isn't great. And he, I mean, he's obviously built this thing up himself, so this is kind of, you know, I mean, it, 538 is his thing, so he's going to probably be a little bit more passionate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, there's a bunch of them now that basically have their own algorithms as to how they factor in polls and, and how they weight certain things. And, and so that he gives, you know, how they weight polls closer to the closer to the election. Then, um, and, and then once older ones drop off and, you know, uh, online polls versus live in person versus like all these so i mean they have a whole factor of, of, of a waiting system um but that that sucks yeah. apparently based off my limited two elections <laughs> i followed 
Um, obviously, yes, there's a flaw in this system that can't handle Trump voters. Yeah, so, I mean, that it, seems to be an anomaly that is going to be studied probably for the next 50 years, at least. Yeah, so it seems pointless during any, you know, the Trump elections yeah. to follow this polling. It does. Yeah. So, so, way, so, so maybe maybe his, his system isn't broken. It just doesn't work for certain uh, bases. No. So it's like a recipe when you're cooking. Uh, so you have a whole bunch of like different ingredients that you're putting in. If someone switches your paprika for like chili powder or like cayenne pepper or something, the result's not going to be the same. And that's kind of what this is, is that the polling errors aren't within the bounds that he set like in his algorithm. Right. So it's screwing up all the different weightings that are being calculated. And because it's so complex, it compounds throughout so you're gonna get like errant results throughout a lot of different things because they depend on each other and that's what you saw in the new york times needle as well that i was talking about before with the overcompensation in florida where you may be overweighting an outlier that you shouldn't be and i know nate silver has talked about like he tries to limit the amount that that happens like in his algorithms but uh, it's I try not yeah. to think of politics like a science. I just look at it like a weather vane, like it's moving in this direction and like whatever. Not like, oh yeah, Biden has an 84% chance of winning exactly. <laughs> Probably not, no. Yeah, and, and and that's where Nate could get in trouble this election. He he had some wiggle room, I think, four years ago when he was, when I think his, well, he didn't have Trump ever winning or, or expected to win the percentage at least for Hillary kept going down as you got closer and closer to the election where he was vocal and said, listen, if it's a 2%, you know, two to 3% polling error in, in Trump's favor, which is within the margin of error, you could certainly have a Trump victory. This cycle has been much different where, I mean, they've essentially given Trump a nine, uh, Biden a 90% chance to win yeah. the election. Um, and it would have to be a fairly colossal polling error for Trump to win. And I mean, right now, it obviously doesn't look good. So, so I don't know where. I also like, I don't know. am not weighting these results very heavily based on the current situation, with all the mail-in votes and the differences in well, different states counting elections. Well, apparently, uh, breaking news, Roland. Philadelphia. Uh, Philly just said that they will not be counting any more mail-in ballots tonight. Are you kidding me? They still yeah, have... Nathaniel Rakich, who's a, a pollster, have... said that they're not going to know tonight who's who's going to win. But, like, but like if you're Philly... Wh I'm sorry. Pennsylvania in general... Pennsylvania came out and said that they're going to take their time counting votes. Like yeah, that they said, they earlier... said Friday might be. Yeah, might yeah. be the earliest they'll get... Whereas so, some states like Wisconsin said, we're going to get you a response as soon as we can. It's probably going to be between like four and six a.m. But like I don't, but like I don't know if you're Philly. For, first of all, if you're Philly or Pennsylvania, why are you waiting until the day of to count mail-in ballots? You're one of the few <laughs> states that does that. Yeah, I don't and, understand and that. But. I don't understand that either. So they, they so they according to this report, according to this report, there's two hundred fifty thousand mail-in ballots from Philly that still need to be counted. Ooh, Georgia's Senate race is going to run off. Yeah, I saw that. I don't that. think that's uh, unexpected. I don't think... Okay. To find, yeah, to find but I don't... 
I th- uh, if no you don't get more 50%. than a large percent of the vote, I think. Yeah. Like, I think it's fifty percent. Yeah. Just fifty. Yeah, maybe. Because then I, they go to a I runoff saw... with the two. The two highest. They candidates. take one one person from each party, I think, in the runoff for Georgia. Not necessarily. Um, I don't believe. Oh, no? I think they just take the two. I think they just take the two highest. Yeah. So, yeah, so no you get into these state-run rules that are. Last time. They're so it because it's it's mainly state run. I mean, there's there's a federal board of elections, but it doesn't do much. It just yeah. checks for fraud and consistency. You the it the the voting is all run by the states, which is how we get in this mess. Uh, God bless so, people from two hundred years ago. Yeah. One one final question to lead you guys to the dark side. Um, worst case happens. I saw uh, one one of someone in my chat say their worst fear is that Trump wins and then a Trump Jr. runs next time and wins. Is that a real possibility? Yes. Yeah. You figure that uh, Trump- if there's a passionate base, they will just transfer over and, easily. And supposedly, Trump Jr. I, I believe has looked into running for governor for of uh, Kentucky. Yeah. I. Forget what state to give him like maybe yeah it was one maybe it was Tennessee to give him like a little uh you know political a little bit more political yeah political yeah background political uh, political Political. uh, before he runs for president (laughs) so uh, the only way that he wasn't going to run for president is if probably Donald got stomped tonight and that does not look like it's going to happen so um. I would, I would almost guarantee he, he'd run in, in four years. He's like dating the uh, girl from uh, Fox News or something, right? Like that, right? Yeah, I have some oh, funny memes from the RNC about her. The one with the crazy face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was like screaming her brains out into the mic. Yeah. In front of a crowd of nobody. The best is yet to come. Yeah. Her. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just how, you know, how many a uh, sad tonight, I guess. How many electoral uh, does uh, California get? Oh, yeah, a lot. Oh, oh speaking <laughs> speaking of that, is that still possible? Can they uh, just vote for whatever the fuck they want? You know, is that still a thing? No, there was a Supreme Court ruling that you're bound to whatever the state says you are. What? Um, so you could be um unaffiliated um. No, what the hell are you called? I don't want to say disloyal, but there's a a name for the electoral voters that vote adversely to who they're supposed to elect. So some people wanted to... Isn't there like 15 states that have an agreement that they vote on the popular vote? So like New York, California, Oregon... Only only 15 have to follow that? Yeah. So they in theory, could one of the other states not, you know, vote against Trump, or is that just so unrealistic? Like, you if there, if he's him? voted in, then the electoral vote has to be cast for him. So, but I, I thought um, you said that was only true in fifteen states, though. No, that's an agreement no, I'm, I'm that they are voting else. together. I'm talking about something. Oh, yeah. got it, got it. What the hell's the name of that? There's um, God, man, it is pissing me off that I can't remember this. <laughs> But you're you're voted to be like an elector for the electoral college, and you right. cast the vote like officially and sign a paper that you're voting for whoever is voted in. 
by but your that's state. Semi, that's semi new, right? Couldn't you do that like yes. up until like twenty years ago? You could do you could. I, I thought you could do it like last election, last up until twenty sixteen. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, because, that recent? Yeah. yeah. And then, as of last year, it was officiated by the Supreme Court that you could not be a, um, whatever it's called. I'm going to look this up now. Okay. I mean, I agree with that. I thought that was pretty stupid that you could vote and then have your vote overturned. I thought that was uh, kind of nonsense. Called a faithless elector. So they would vote for the same party. So, like, some people were voting for John Kasich, Kasich instead of Trump. They were voting for a Republican because the Republicans were voted in, but they, the Supreme Court voted that your vote was bound to whoever was voted in now. So it's basically a formality now. Yeah. So why, why have it still then? Like, I don't know. I don't even know why we have the electoral college still, to be honest, it seems to disproportionately empower people that make decisions for the large proportions of the population. Right now, Donald Trump is ahead by uh, almost two million votes, so of the popular vote. Yeah, once California comes yeah, in, it's going to be stopped. I know, I know. Yeah. We're changing countries, I think. <laughs> be a civil war, probably. Don't bring up CW. It's on a lot of people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of elevator conversations. Yeah, people are scared. Arizona. 73% reporting. And Arizona at least looks good for Biden. 53%, fifty three percent, fifty three point seven percent. All right, well, I'm well, gonna try and get some sleep. What was that? I guess I'll go be sad in front of a TV now for a while. Well, yeah, it'll be better in the morning. Gonna be tough trying to get some sleep tonight. I only got two episodes left of the Queen's Gambit. Oh, what do you think? Ooh. I'm loving it. It's pretty good. Good show. Good show. Uh, oh, some good news out of North Carolina, according to Nate Cohen, Roland. Yeah. Love Nate Cohen. Uh, do you like him or no? I do. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, there was a reporting error uh, that is pandi- padding Trump's uh, count by 30,000 votes. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, that's... Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not going to win a lot of these states. But I'm very... Sus- Suspect about North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is going to be like a toss-up, but it's going to be pretty close. And I, I can't see Joe Biden actually losing Pennsylvania, but we'll see. I don't know, Roland. I, I've, like I've been through a lot of different areas of Pennsylvania, and yeah. a lot of Pen- a lot of Pennsylvania is fucking white trash, man. I can't see. Yeah, Western Pennsylvania isn't that called Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah, Western yeah, but Pennsylvania. A lot of those areas are wide and like. They have a lot know. of land, but they don't have that's, a lot of people. That's true. Is that's true? I, know. I mean, well. Pittsburgh and Philly are, are the big. Right, but outside of those yeah, big but cities, Erie Erie turned red, which uh, Erie was. Uh, they were hoping Erie was going to stay blue. Mm-hmm. Um, also, final question: Is there a possibility of a tie? Is that a, a real thing in elections? Yes. Yeah. The is that possible? VP breaks it. Guess who, who breaks it? it? I think it's the Senate, actually. <clears throat> and and who? How would that fall if uh, it came to that? To Republicans. Trump. To Trump. Yeah. yeah. Because it, because are it's four ba- seats up. Yeah. Three, three seats or four seats plus the well, VP because... breaks a tie. That would that would honestly be the uh, worst possible outcome 
are are is the Senate tied to their side as well? To their yeah. uh yep. yeah. The yeah. VP breaks a tie. I wonder who uh Pence would vote for. That'd be really no, funny no, if you like. No, I meant was is the Senate tied to their party is what I meant. Oh no, they could vote for whatever, but they'll vote for No, Trump. you can vote for whoever. But I mean you'd have to flip four seats. Right. Four people not, would have to be like, yeah, I don't want my party in power. And that's not, and that's not realistic. Not even, not even point zero one percent. You might get one. Uh, give it one. like six more zeros, and then you probably have a shot. Like point yeah. zero 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 one percent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you might get one. You might get one. Because <laughs> you want to gang up having all the branches of government, because that's how you have a democracy. <laughs> okay. Uh... Huh? I too enjoy Queen's Gambit though. For uh, I finished it this weekend, I think. You did finish it. You will. I did finish it. Uh, did you like it? I did. There were a couple things that were kind of weird to me, like especially playing at her level. Like there were no draws at all. Oh uh, yeah, that's pretty true. Much. Like usually, either people agree to draws to tie for the win. Yeah. Or... Well, they did say the it one just guy had a draw, a draw on his record. What's it? Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, they did. They did talk about draws, but they never actually showed. Right. Them. But she never takes them. Like for the most part. Take them now. Um, and then she never gets into end games, which is kind of weird. Like when there's just like kings and a few pawns on the board. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, rocks, it's stuff always... like that. It's usually a decisive, so like a a checkmate or something. It is. Oh, now, and I don't watch enough of that level of chess, but it does seem like they see... So you're right, so there's not a lot of endgame stuff where there's only, uh, you know, a king, a couple pawns, and maybe another piece. Um, but do they do they, do they uh, retire like how they did doing the show a lot? Um, I have no idea. I think they stopped that. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, and, and I mean, this is supposed to take place in the '60s, so obviously it could be completely. Different. Yeah, and there were no female grandmasters at that time as well. Yeah, yeah. So that designation wasn't really a thing. So I will say that it's it's possible. Um, I mean, it's more dramatic, like the way they stage things, and there are some players that used to play like that, like all or nothing kind of playing style. Now it's a lot of a lot of draws, like a lot of draws. But one of the people that is the Gary Kasparov, who's one of the advisors from it, used to play similarly to this, where he would play for decisive wins or losses all the time. So that may have something to do with. I'm not sure if the book. I didn't read the book or anything because yeah, it's based book. on the book. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure if in the book it has all these games exactly how they are or whatever. But yeah, or if it's just uh, yeah. a storyline and they're just keeping with the storyline. And it, yeah, that's true. Um, and um yeah uh, are there yeah i know I, I i i wonder so obviously i'm not into the the chess world now but uh like i wonder how when you know two people at that you know the grandmaster level of playing against each other you know it, are they is it so because they talked about this at one point in the show but are they just so robotic with like you know, okay, this is this is my opening, this is my atta that attack, this is the defense of that attack. You know what I mean? 
kind of because like so people many, study so many each systems. other's openings to like I want to say 15 moves at the at the top levels. Like I usually know about five or six moves of an opening. Granted, yeah. I am like 17 levels under them, but they they memorize like 15 to 20 moves of theory, and they know like how other how their opponent has played against those moves as well. So it is kind of robotic for the first 10 or so moves, but sometimes what happens too is they discover a novelty. So they'll go over the games and they'll discover like, oh, if I do this move, it's slightly better down the line. So they'll play that and maybe the other person isn't prepared for that. And then it starts into like a, a new sort of game. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. We lost Tommy. I didn't even notice. Yeah, I didn't yeah, notice either. That that was as soon as we mentioned Queen's Gambit, he left. Right. <laughs> also interesting. I feel like he'd uh, like Queen's Gambit, though. Yeah, I That's thought the story show. was good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the story was very good. Um, Just liked it, I think. I have a question for you, Roland. <laughs> Why? Um, so AP called Virginia already, like two hours ago. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't. I, I haven't seen. I've. Well, I haven't seen it. Anywhere else. So, like, I don't know. And I know AP was going to be very conservative with their, you know, callings of states and whatnot, but I, I just found that surprising, no? I don't... This election is kind of screwy, I think. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I wish on people CNN, but they gave justification saying, listen, we're still waiting on approximately this many mail-in votes, or... It, CNN did that just now? Well, thanks. You want to you want me to hook up another mic? No. no? Okay. <laughs> what did CNN do? Uh, they were, I guess, uh, caveating for mail-in votes, saying they uh, take up a certain percentage and they couldn't sway. Or I don't know. I wasn't watching CNN because I'm on this podcast. That's what reporter Jess said. Thank you, reporter. From the Jess. field, political reporter. Yeah. Yeah. I... Yeah. So I don't know why people are calling it early. Um. It's going to be way closer than I imagined it would be, but it still could not be. It still yeah, could just well, be that, tight now because they're red and, and, and it could just be Florida. Like, like the, but for it to be a, a blowout, Biden would have needed to get Florida or Texas. Yeah. But he could still win comfortably losing both of those states if he gets yeah. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arizona, yep. so on and so forth. Or any of them. Yeah. If he wins any of those states, it's a pretty not cushy I mean, victory, but it's you can breathe a sigh of relief if any of those other states split. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I was hoping he would get one that has not been. And I guess if he gets Ohio, that I would was be just it. hoping for an early flip so I could just relax. <laughs> Come on, me too. Like if Pennsylvania goes or Florida, like if Florida went to Biden, it would be over. It wouldn't matter anymore. Like that's what I was hoping. Florida goes blue, and then, you know, you get Michigan, Wisconsin, and you're essentially good, and Arizona, and you're essentially good. Yeah, it just so. seems to me, uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess there were more voters than I imagined. I see it in rural well, areas, but I just didn't imagine there were so many people. So, uh, well, supposedly, uh, in Florida, apparently in the Miami area, Roland, they were yeah, running... Yeah, Miami-Dade was... got killed. Well, well apparently... The Trump campaign was running uh, Spanish language ads that basically were comparing Biden to like Biden and Kamala Harris's 
idea of socialism, which they don't, they're not socialists, mm. obviously, uh, with Fidel Castro. That's, uh, yeah, that, I was, uh, maybe it was the Daily that was saying, there's someone from, maybe Cuba originally, or her parents came from Cuba, and she had to try to explain to her relatives that when they say people are socialism, socialists, it's not the yeah, same Fidel as yes. Fidel Castro, but it's like a trigger word for Cubans yeah. that just like flips them like off of those people. Exactly. So I, think I guess that's, that's why they just keep leaning on socialism. Especially for that area. Because it just yeah. seems to, that messaging seems to, rightfully, I guess, seem to work for that community. I mean, it just um, seems like you can say whatever you want now and there are no repercussions. Well, yeah. And if people aren't going to, you know, <laughs> whatever fact check, I mean, and, and, and yeah. not that they should, but like, you know. I should be in politics, man. Why am I working so hard at this? I, I think Pennsylvania looks good for, for, for Biden, uh, the, the closer I look at it. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a Hillary situation. No. With Pennsylvania. Um, and I think it, as you get to the Midwest, I mean, as you get to the Midwest and the Midwest votes get counted, I think people are going to breathe some sighs of relief. I think so too. And it looks like, like, if you're looking at Pennsylvania right now, it's close, but like 70% still needs to come in from Pittsburgh and Philly and, and, you know, Biden's winning by 70%. You know what I mean? There's just so many more votes. So, um, so anyway. <laughs> this is the best little post on the uh, 538 live blog. This is shaping up to be quite a stress test for a rickety old democracy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of these ones are pretty funny. Oh, well. Well, you can celebrate a victory, Rich. I can. I can. But, uh... You know, honestly, I, I just, I just really care about my Twitter feed. You know, I don't want to he- see all the negative people tomorrow. Well, you got to get them one way or the other. You can set no, block that, words I don't, for I don't, a while. I don't have many Trumpers on my feed, so. Uh, like, mm. I don't well, either. I wonder why. Facebook, I have a lot more. Yeah, yeah Facebook, I don't even go to though. Uh. Facebook's a different world. That's that's the outskirts of Pennsylvania. You know. It's uh, redneck territory on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I don't know. I think Facebook is a dark place these days. It is. Oh, yeah. I, it's like super. It's almost like the tabloids for me. It's brutal. It's like the National Enquirer of social media. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It is bad. All right. Uh, I'm going to watch the rest of this. I'm probably not going to go to sleep tonight until like 2 o'clock in the morning. Nice. I'm going to go to sleep in about two hours, probably. Yeah, I'll see, uh, I'll see you guys on Slack. Yeah, yeah well, there. feel free and to chime in. Or on, the, on the tabs? Uh, on the tabs right now. Well, feel free to feel free to uh, stop, stop in throughout the night, because I'm sure I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I got I got at least two more beers in me and uh, another right. packing. Oh, Biden won New Hampshire. I think that's a good sign. I know he was expected to, but I do think. I think he's supposed to win that one. I think so too, but <laughs> still. All right. See you on the other side. All right. Later. All right.